going to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between. We are excited because we have our ninth guest all the way from Germany. Very exciting. Uh, he has brought us some really cool games that I love. Tori 3D, McBat 64. We're going to get into all that awesome stuff. This is Marcus Horn. Give a warm round of applause from podcast land. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's an honor. I've, I've played your games for so long. I was like, is he? <laughs> I didn't I didn't think you'd <laughs> agree to it. Oh, oh, I, oh, of course. I mean, um, you know, when when uh, people actually tell me that they like my games, you know, like the stuff I make in my in my free time, it's like, why? Like, what? OK, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's um yeah yeah i mean yeah <laughs> it's weird <laughs> but i like it i appreciate Imagine. it so i like to start my episodes by asking the question when in your life did you know you wanted to make games Ooh, okay that's that's an interesting one um i think originally it like you know um the whole oh i want to do something or like have like some sort of influence on games you know like like um in the whole creation thing was probably during um like the game boy era when at some point i i think i um i don't know it was like a new game and i wanted the game and i couldn't afford it so i um I imagined, you know, it would it would be cool to at least have like one level, and then I thought about what that level would be, and you know how how kids are when they when they think about stuff, like mm -hmm. one thing leads to another, and then I was like, oh, it would be cool if that level would be like a forest with I don't know stuff. So you know that was probably like the first memory I have of me thinking about changing something in a game or like creating something in a game. Um, but. Um, I think when I, you know, the moment when I was like, okay, yeah, I want, I want, I really want to make games and want to make this for a living was, uh, I'm not, do, I'm not yet, right, but I want to. So um, that was, uh, I think around 2010, I think, maybe, I think. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was a bit torn between um, like ma making movies, and making games. Like I always wanted to make games, but it seemed to be 
really complicated and for some reason making movies seemed less complicated to me i don't know but uh yeah i always wanted to make games but it seemed really hard but at some point i was like yeah no, i need to focus now i'm gonna focus on games because i want to make games what if you had gone down that route what kind of movies would you have wanted to make hmm. that's a good question um i mean nowadays i kind of want to make you know, if I like that never like the whole making movies uh, mm -hmm. thing never left me. So nowadays I would absolutely want to make like an anime series. I still want to do that. Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I will. Um, but back then I would probably have tried to make like, you know, like imitate uh, stuff like uh, Blade Runner or um, Ridley Scott's Alien. You know, like really atmospheric, moody stuff with um, more focus on the whole, you know, the world where that movie plays in rather than the characters or the stories themselves. And uh, that would have all sucked. Like I would have made horrible movies, but it would have been fun, I, I hope, I think. Yeah, it's, it's cool to think about. And uh, how old were you when you started with games? Oh, um... That's a good question. I believe I was, um, I probably was around 13 when I started making fan games. You know, I, like um, a friend of mine and me, we, we had like this, this, um, it wasn't the RPG maker. It was something similar, but way less powerful. And we started making games with that thing, but, and we did like, we made everything except an RPG. <laughs> so I started making um, like really, really questionable uh, um, in terms of quality, not content, questionable okay. in terms of quality, <laughs> um, Sonic fan games. Like, I don't know, it was, it was weird, but it was fun because, you know, you did something on your, on your computer and you could actually like play something. It was like, what? So, so yeah, it must have been 13, I think. Awesome. Getting into your games, something that I love and I appreciate is that for me, I grew up with an N64 and <laughs> playing like PlayStation 1 at people's houses, those late 90s games. And it felt like, you know, when there was the big boom of indie games for the first decade or so, you know, it was all sort of like pixel art and like, I mean, we love pixel art or pixel pizza, but like 8-bit, 16-bit style of games, because that was sort of the, the generation that was making indie games. But anyway, I guess, was that like following that, that those later games, was that something like you immediately wanted to do or was it something you decided later on or what was that decision where, where, where did that come from i think i mean i i remember the time you're talking about especially like early um um xbox indie yeah uh, stuff that was like a lot of, of 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 pixel indie games and a lot of 2d platforms i mean there still are but mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah i think uh to me it, it felt like like the indie scene is kind of um, repeating the the uh, uh, process that like the 
triple A or or normal uh, game uh, um, industry went through. You know, like with with like eight bit ish indie games moving to 16-bit you know moving to 3d it just it just felt that way uh, i mean obviously that's not the case and probably never was but it just felt uh, felt, uh, felt to me like that and um i mean i i used to really love making like pixel art uh, i did a lot of pixel art and um at some point i i even think that i was kind of okay at pixel art now i suck but back then i think i was kind of okay um i try to remember how i i started with a 3d oh right yeah um i has a bit of story actually <laughs> there was um you know grant kirker the composer of uh, banjo kazooie yeah, sure. yeah yeah he was he was um a guest at um uh, i i think game grumps you know the thing mm -hmm. from uh from ego raptor um yeah right there was this episode where where he was a guest and for some reason that's like the only episode i really watched because uh and i never had time to really get too much into youtube it was always had like just one or two youtubers i watched but like you know um but but that episode i watched and um i think he was talking about how they wanted to like like kind of get the team together and make make something like Magic Kazooie again, and there was even like a Twitter account for that thing that later turned into Platonic. Uh, but at first it was just like four of them doing this, and at some point it was like, yeah, it kind of fell through. We're not doing it, and I was sitting there like, yeah, okay, fuck it, I'm just gonna make it myself. <laughs> um, so I I I thought, okay, you know, they had Magic Kazooie, they had Donkey Kong, they had Conquer. Imagine like a fourth game, fourth character they would have made. Yeah. That's when I um, made my first low poly 3D game, uh, Kiwi 64, which was like a one level free game. And people really liked that for some reason. And at some point, yeah, I, I was kind of done with that, but then I made a semi sequel uh well it wasn't really a sequel but you know something like that again uh Macbeth mm. and yeah after that I was um try to like like put my my past back together to realize what happened um yeah right after that was like a really complicated uh, phase in my life where I didn't manage to make a game for two years not even like a, a functioning prototype and then out of nowhere, I got the idea for uh, Tasty Ramen, which is my my horror PlayStation One styled game, and I joined the Haunted PS One community, and then I I um, at the same time I got in contact with my um, Switch, well, publisher, but also friend. So you know, it's it's like. Um, yeah, it's, it's more friend it's, it's less publisher but but he published my game on switch and we put macbeth on switch and it went way better than on on, on steam um and for i just you know i just kind of slipped into this and because i feel really comfortable with this low poly 3d uh, uh stuff like this this 90s 3d goodness um i kind of stick with it because it like it 
it's really fun to make and i think you know it's it's easier to get something that looks convincing in in this style than you would have like than you would do with a pixel art yeah for sure there's that was a complicated I, answer yeah to like replicate like the original hardware with the pixel art i imagine is super tough yeah. mcbat on switch that was my first exposure to your stuff and it just it was a personal experience for me because like for those like two three hours i was playing the game i just i felt like a kid again i felt like i was having that same like sense of discovery and imagination and like what's around this corner what's behind this barrier what's what's going on here as i did when when i was playing like banjo kazooie donkey kong 64 all those old games so that was i'm glad fun. to hear that um honestly when when i when i uh created kiwi and later macbeth um i had like this specific situation in mind how i would have played it as a kid like like you know this very specific scenario scenario like it's a tuesday evening you turn on your n64 and this is the game you play how would that feel how would that be so so i'm always happy when people tell me like basically exactly this because <laughs> it feels like yes <laughs> it worked <laughs> yeah you you conveyed that feeling without even having to, to say it so you said there were like you know two years where like you weren't able to make a game was that you know life got in the way or was it just a creative block or mm. well it's um i think it's it's several things um for one my my private life was a bit complicated during that time mm. i mean nothing like nothing major it's just normal life stuff that got in the way and also and i think that was the biggest problem I um, was at the end of my university um, years. So I, I finished in 2018. And um, like I had all this, you know, all this stuff they teach you at the university. Like it, it was a university specifically for games. And I majored in uh, game design. And like all the stuff they like tell you, all the stuff they teach you, um, like it all makes sense. But for one, Thing, it like it's it's from a different era it's like from years ago where all this stuff like applied and worked and um i feel like you just like you get all this dry input you get all these rules like all these design rules how things have to be and stuff that you get so stuck in in like this this uh, uh factory way of of thinking how games should work behind you know behind the screen um that i just i and, you know, I tried to try to create so many games during that time. I still have some of the uh, 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 tech demos and, and prototypes. So, like there were mobile games, there were like uh, uh, multiplayer arcade games, all the, all this stuff, and they all like they don't suck. They are not that bad, but they're just uninteresting. They're uninspired. They're just the usual uh, stuff, you know. Like it's, it's just it's just very basic games and um i was just unsatisfied with all of this so um yeah at some point i was like you know what i this is this is not it 
And then it was like this game jam. I came up with the idea for Tasty Ramen and that got me back into it because Tasty Ramen, at least in its very first form, was a game-wise was super boring. Like it was just a run away from the monster thing and collect. I don't even know what you collected. Um, but everything except the normal gameplay was kind of fun and, and interesting. So uh, for, to me, at least. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. Not trying to bash on universities <laughs> or anything, but you know, you always have to like reflect on what you learn, I guess. And yeah, I didn't absolutely. do that. Yeah, I mean, it's totally when you're just doing stuff by the book, it's kind of yeah. stifling. But I mean, this this podcast, this well, not the podcast itself, but like the radio show I did before it was what I did in university. And I feel like that was the thing I learned the most from. It wasn't a class. It was just something like extracurricular I did on my own and I created it on my own. And that was, I got the most out of that because I'm still doing it, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Just practice and like getting actually into the thing is is always really helpful, I think, because it just, it, it gives you like a point of views that nobody could actually teach you with the whole theoretical stuff exactly and getting feedback oh, from sure. actual people not not your uh professors or whatever is there like any like super like pieces of feedback you've gotten that stuck out to you good or bad mm. yes yes absolutely i'm just trying to remember um well, um, one very important thing uh, probably was um, when I made Macbeth, a lot of people were really disappointed by this game because from, from the looks of it, uh, like the trailers, the screenshots, the way I communicated about it, at least in 2017 and before that, um, people expected this to be like a traditional 3D platformer, you know, like something like Banjo where you run around, collect a bunch of stuff, maybe defeat enemies, um, have like bigger worlds. Well, not big, but you know, magic is stuff. Um, and it's none of this, right? It's it's like a small game, no enemies. You don't really collect that much stuff. It's more like it's it's a fetch quest, like a bunch of small worlds with uh, different topics and, and like fetch, uh, fetch quests. And uh, I didn't really communicate that. And a lot of people were, were rightfully disappointed. And like this just like showed me how really important uh, communication is in, in all of this and, and how, you know, how like deep this goes, you know, like, I mean, I could uh, uh, show a screenshot of Macbeth where you could see the entire level. You see, it's a small level. You don't see any collectibles. You just see a bunch of NPCs, but still, the colors and the characters and the whole N64 vibes would still give the player the impression, oh, hey, this is like a big collectathon or whatever. Mm. And this is just, this just blew my mind. Obviously, way too late. The game was out, but yeah, <laughs> still. Um, yeah, yeah. This is also why, why Tori is so much different. And it, with, with Tori, uh, it worked. You, you basically you get what you see and yeah it was interesting yeah. definitely yeah i mean don't get me wrong uh, uh, there are like um 
by now there are people who who really like Macbeth for what it is and I think I managed to like improve on the communication a bit like tell people what this game actually is instead of what it's not so it, it like it found its uh, its own people you know its own little fan base and that's awesome and I love that but you know still interesting that's great and it's it is so tough you know marketing your own stuff mm-hmm. being your own community support person <laughs> uh, it's I, I'm dealing with that right now with trying to get people to hear about the podcast <laughs> uh, oh yeah yeah I mean the whole thing of reaching out to people uh yeah I still I still haven't figured it out mm-hmm. I just sometimes I like with Tori I got lucky really really lucky <laughs> but I have no idea how reaching out to people actually works yeah I mean I mean I want to we haven't really touched on it yet I want to get into Tori because that's really oh yeah yeah what Sorry. put you on the map in the indie scene <laughs> I mean uh I don't know I, I don't see it that way that it like put me on the map but it yeah it definitely helped for people to notice that I exist and that's that's really cool and not just me right also um my switch publisher whose company name I can't pronounce I'm sorry it's like it I always screw that up Diplo, Diplo, oh Dis- yeah it's Diplodocus Diplodocus yes yeah but yeah I guess that's yeah it's like oh, I feel so bad about this <laughs> like <laughs> Every time I'm in a call with him at at um at places, I I always try to avoid saying that name because I I just <laughs> watch her it right. And he really likes dinosaurs, obviously. And I just yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's embarrassing. With Tori, what was like the uh, process of like the design shift because it was so much different from anything you'd done? Well. The first story was a um, direct um, response to to Macbeth, basically. Um, like you know, like I said, um, um, uh, Sebastian um, one day. Like that's my switch publisher. His his real name. Um, he contacted me via Twitter at some point while I was working on Tasty Ramen and was like, hey, you want to make, you know, you want to bring Macbeth to Switch? And I was like, sure, if you can manage it, go ahead. And, and he did. And um, after realizing that people actually bought it and liked it for what it was and for the price and all that, um, I was like, I was thinking at some point, you know, we could try to like make a game in four months and um, sell it for a super low price. Originally, I think I wanted to make it in three months, but you know, things happen. Um, I think, yeah, originally Tori was very different. Now, well, not very different, but it was more like Super Mario 3D World, like a fixed camera, like, you know, a bit from, from above and you were only uh, uh, um, walking around with a character and it was a different character. It was, uh, um, was also planned for a mobile release mm. like not not just a port but actively thinking about how this would work well on mobile and like I worked on this prototype for two weeks this was way before all of this happened and I kind of abandoned it because it was really boring <laughs> and um, after coming up with the idea of making a small game for Switch and see if it works 
I remember this prototype. I was like, you know what? I just, I'm going to use this and I'm going to um, make it into a real 3D platformer um, because like this, this mobile hybrid thing was boring. And um, yeah, I, 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 just, I just started working on it and I had like at least uh, three different types of, of uh, like level layouts, like level designs, because I couldn't decide on what what way it should go. I, I originally was like a very simple version of um, the usual collectathon thing. You just run around like a small uh, uh, kind of sandbox thing and collect stuff. Um, but it felt really empty and boring because it was missing a lot of stuff. Um, and eventually I, I, I uh, got to the point where I said, okay, it's more fun to just walk around from A to B. And then I, I worked on the movement a lot until I was satisfied. And I just like one thing led to another, like the first actual level that existed was the, um, the first ice level, the second part, like this, this slide. Oh, yeah. That was the, the very first Tori level thing that existed. And it's probably the least normal level. Um, <laughs> basically, I just tried out a lot of things and see what worked. No, what, what was fun. Didn't even care if it worked. If it was fun, it stayed. Um, and yeah, at some point I got, uh, got help from a friend with a level design. Um, also, Sebastian did a level himself. Oh, cool. So we got all of this done in time. Um, and yeah, then we, we released it. And at first it seemed like people don't like it because they thought, oh, it's a one, one euro, one, uh, one dollar. So it must be a bad game. And I was like, ah, okay. I mean, it was just four months. It's not that bad, you know, if it fails. But then the, um, like people started picking up, saw a Nintendo Live video and things like got better. Yeah, it was so, it was so cool to see them do a whole video about it. I remember Yeah, that. yeah. And very surprising. It took me like two weeks before I was able to watch it because I was so nervous about this video. <laughs> Yeah, I know it. I know what that's like. But before before we sh continue any further, I should uh, transition into our second musical break for the episode. Stay right there, and the audience is going to be listening to the next track from Stray Boom, our chip musician of the week, and the track is called Inverse Mirror Fragments. So listen up and we'll be back with Marcus in a few minutes.
Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. We just listened to Inverse Mirror Fragments by Stray Boom. And now we are getting back to our interview with Marcus. And we were just talking about how, you know, there was like the Nintendo Life video on YouTube and Tori started picking up steam. I mean, one thing I wanted to ask before that is something that's so intimidates me about like working on like an action game or a platforming game is that it seems like there's so much involved with the physics and like making sure the jumping is right and the landing and like how do in your process do you go about like making sure that feels great (laughs) um i pretty much tweak it until the end like um for for tori for example um when i started like this for for a month thing uh, there was already movement there was always jumping and and walking because i worked on it before uh, like this prototype um but i still like in the first six weeks i basically changed things everywhere like all around um even when like the first few levels like actually almost finished levels existed i still changed uh, movement stuff and speed and you know how how much the character squishes when when they fall down all this stuff because um i don't know how or when but at some point this whole movement like how your character feels stuff got really important to me like really really important to me and uh, yeah <laughs> it's just now I try to uh, uh, be very, very careful with that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's so constantly iterative. Yes, yes. yes. My, um, my professor at my university actually said at some point that my, how did he say it? My way of working is very interesting because I reiterate a lot and um and that's not very common anymore. So basically, he tried to tell me that I should change that if I want to get a job. But <laughs> yeah, it was still, still kind of nice. Very <laughs> yeah, noticed, but I think it's a good thing. After Tori, when did you start on the sequel? After Tori 3D, I wanted to um, finally make the second episode of my of my horror game. Oh right, and. I already started, like we, we worked on that, uh, a friend of mine and, and I, we worked on that for like two weeks. Um, you know, then the video happened, people were like, hey, this is cool, you know, Tori is kind of nice and all. And I started to have a lot of ideas for Tori too. And I just, at some point I was like, look, I, I need to make a second Tori now, because if I don't do it now, um, the whole momentum is gone, like from people, from myself, from everything. I just, I really need to do it now. I really want to do it now. I um, also, that was at that point, um, Jordan got in contact with me, like, you know, the Red Panda, oh, the yeah. musician of Tori too. And um, we were still doing like, uh, you know, updates on Tori 3, 3D, you know, like small uh, fixes and all that stuff. Also, you know, the friend who was doing the level design, he, he just, like he he made four more levels for this because he wanted to try it out and all. So yeah, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, now is the time. Now I'm gonna do Tori 2. 
and uh she understood that was a bit sad about it but yeah she did understood it so um yeah that's when i started working on tori 2 um and because you know i had i already had stuff from the first game like the movement and all it was easier to get right into it and i could focus more on how the levels look and feel and the colors and stuff so that was i was really really nice not starting with uh the like at point zero again mm. <clears throat> to sure. make more sequels so all the all the like background uh, art you did that as well yes the um um basically all the art in in tori 3d and tori 2 are made by myself except for these cool cgi renders on the box art and, and oh, on the right. title screen in tori 2 i think um they are made by a friend of mine the, the same friend who works on uh tasty ramen with me mm. um because she's re she's a really good 3d artist um but everything else well the sound effects and music also not done by me, but all the graphical assets in the game are made by me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, when you were making the second one, after you saw the success of the first one, I mean, did you consider charging more for it? Because <laughs> you know, I feel like people people know how good it is. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking about it at some point. Uh, well, at first. Um, but that was also when I was planning to have more content in the game, like, you know, more levels and all that. And um, at some point I realized that I'm kind of forcing myself to get more content in there. And that is like, it felt, um, there's some there's some level tests in there that feel really underwhelming and really kind of, not good because I made them just because I wanted to have more content in there. And then I realized that that's kind of stupid. What am I doing? I'm just going to make the same kind of thing. And um, kind of like, you know, if, if Tori 3D was like the beginning of a thing, then Tori 2 can be like the end part of a thing. So, you know, they kind of work together. And I've, I've seen actually a lot of people who, who say, well, a lot of the people play both games um, who say that uh, they kind of think of the two games as like one game, kind of like Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles. Oh, Knuckles. Sure. Um, and that is actually how I, how I, uh, you know, saw, saw it as well while working on Tori 2. That's also why there's a boss fight in Tori 2. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> um, because there, there wasn't a boss fight in the first one. I thought about one, but I was like, yeah, that... Mm -hmm. So we just made the, the final level thing. Uh, but yeah, that's also why, again, spoilers, at the end of the uh, of the second game, they kind of become friends. And it's oh, like, right. all is good now. Or is it? <laughs> well, for now. <laughs> I, I, that final boss fight, I remember that. That was so tense and like the level is falling apart and everything. Oh my God, I was <laughs> goosebumps yeah it was hard to make <laughs> i'm not i'm not really good at making boss fights and also i don't really like making boss fights i realized that again but you know it felt important to have this more cinematic finale this time to right. close it all up 
Uh, so, I mean, you said you had more ideas. Was that what led to those like bonus holiday levels you did? Oh, no, no, no. The, um, the bonus holiday levels last year, they were um, a really, really weird idea. You know, it was, uh, I think it was September or was it already October? I don't know, but um, somehow YouTube recommended me um, a video about uh, uh, um, Christmas nights into dreams. You know, this this oh, yeah. Christmas version of nights that Sega made with like one level or two and that they gave away for free. And I, I was like, I want to make something like this. <laughs> and then I wrote uh, uh, um, Jordan and the other two like, hey, I want to make Christmas um bonus update for Tori too. Are you up to it? And they were like, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was honestly, it was the best idea. We got really a lot of uh time pressure with that, obviously, <laughs> because Christmas. But uh it was it was still fun. And you know, um trying out instead of doing the same thing again and trying out um the more collectathon style of of gameplay for the first level at least that was mine like the other the other two levels are made by uh, a friend of mine sebastian and um but the first one like this little city thing that was mine because i really wanted to see how tori works with a collectathon and it was okay i guess yeah no it, it was it was really fun it was it felt like you know sort of a like a full circle sort of blending of the ideas you had used before. <laughs> oh yeah, also that that robot thing, like this mecha thing you can enter on the top of the mountain. Yeah. That was in Tori 2 forever, but it just didn't fit because it felt so weird like being in a in in a, in a level jumping into this this robot thing. It was just it didn't fit. So I could finally use it because it was finished. It was just it just didn't fit. If you could make games full-time if you had mm. you know the time and the means to do that like wh where would you see yourself going with that do you have like a huge <laughs> vision you would want to pull off or i would probably make um well first of all i i would try to have an office in a barn i don't know why i just <laughs> i really it has probably to do with rare yeah probably. Rare yeah yeah they have they they worked in barns right but uh i just Imagine this to be so much fun. Um, but yeah, I would like really like to continue making smaller games. Like not not everything has to be a nine level one dollar game, right? But um like making small games there, they are quickly made. You can iterate more, um, you can improve in a sequel, and it's it's just so much fun to make small games and to get them out quickly and to see people's reactions. So I would really like to do that for a living you know also make a bigger game once in a while but yeah i would kind of turn like to turn what i'm currently doing into my job and then it's all good <laughs> i hope so so uh now final question what mm. is your favorite pizza place pizza place yeah oh that's easy um <laughs> there's like this this small uh pizza delivery guy in the next village um they're called <laughs> pizza express man <laughs> <laughs> it's like really generic but they make 
fantastic pizza. It's like, mm, so good. Actually, now that I've talked about it, I want one. <laughs> But yeah. yeah. Also really good burgers. Oh, really? Wow. Mm. Where can people sort of keep track of your updates and new announcements and stuff? Um, I think the easiest one would definitely be on my Twitter, like at Siectro. Um, because it's just it's it's the quickest way for for getting information about my stuff because I, I post whenever I have something I post there. Um, also, my YouTube channel would probably work. Also, just Siectro. Um, you know, if you don't want to get bombarded by retweets, YouTube is probably the way to go. Um, I used to have a website but it looked horrible. Then I got another one, looked horrible. And after the third one that looked horrible, I was like, eh. <laughs> I, just, I just put my, my itch, itch.io uh, page up there and yeah, that worked fine. Um, yeah, but totally I- totally make like a, like a geosities or angel fire kind of like <laughs> site to go with your like, vibe of your games. <laughs> yeah, I thought about- a lot of um, uh, funny website ideas. But the thing, the problem is that um, because Germany, they like so much laws about about um, people's data and, and, and my data and all that. It's like, it's so easy to make a mistake and then, then you get sued and thrown into jail and get sued again. It's, uh, it's not that easy, oh, God. sadly. Not worth it for a website. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's awesome. I'll let everybody know that in the links in the podcast description. And thank you so much for joining me, Marcus. It's really, thank it's you really for having me. And yeah, everybody, we will see you next week. And we have our last track from Stray Boom. And this is called Positivity. Figure it's a good note to end on. So uh, this has been Pixel Pizza. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye.